0: Welcome to episode 162 of the Luke Messiah Show. Guys, today we are going to talk about the defensive moves that Greg Abbott has been taking over the last two weeks against what I believe is a conservative, uh, uh, let's just say is an aggressive conservative agenda from our Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. And this is coming out in the form of Greg Abbott's activity in the Republican primary runoff. Here's the reality. Two weeks ago, Greg Abbott started rolling out some endorsements in the runoff elections. And uh, at first, there were maybe a couple endorsements that everyone saw coming. So he endorsed against Jeff Younger, who we've had on this program. Y'all are very familiar with his story. Jeff is fighting uh, to ensure that his son is not transitioned into a little girl. And he is running for an open seat in the Texas House in Denton County. And Greg Abbott is endorsing his opponent in the Republican runoff. Now, in some ways that makes sense because Greg Abbott is not happy that Jeff did not support him for re-election and Jeff has been criticizing Republicans for not addressing the transgender issues. So, this makes sense Jeff is aligned with all the people against the governor. And he did the same thing with Glenn Rogers out in Weatherford, who is a liberal Republican freshman who is in this new district he's been drawn into. Uh, And so he backed him. There were several endorsements that came out that were honestly pretty expected. Everyone assumed that Greg Abbott was going to do his best to make sure that the most conservative forces in the Republican Party did not succeed. But then he started taking it a step further. And it started with his endorsement uh, in the Mays-Middleton replacement district. Greg Abbott actually endorsed Patrick Gursky against Terry Leo Wilson. And Patrick Gursky is a personal injury trial lawyer whose largest donors are also massive Democrat donors. He is somebody who Texans for Lawsuit Reform, an, an organization and establishment Oriented pack, who by the way strongly supports Governor Abbott, is also heavily invested in. In fact, they came out and said, "We're endorsing Terry Leo Wilson. We are opposing Patrick Gursky. We need to make sure that we don't have a liberal personal injury trial lawyer who's funded by Democrats in the Texas House of Representatives." And so, this is a race that you wouldn't see as a clear ultra conservative versus liberal. This is somebody who a lot of people, even within the business establishment wing of the Republican party are on one side of the fight and Abbott places himself on the more liberal side, even than barely right of center business groups like Texans for lawsuit reform. It then, he then took it a step further and endorsed Baron Castile. Uh, Baron Castile is the former mayor of New Braunfels who raised property taxes But he's also endorsed by the American Federation for Teachers, the teacher union that is a far left organization who, by the way, is going to endorse Beto O'Rourke against Governor Abbott. But the reality is you have to ask yourself a question. Why is Abbott teaming up with the American Federation of Teachers to help elect more liberal republicans? who are going to align with a group who also don't want him to be governor. Well, the reason is because, is one, he knows he's probably going to still be governor. And, two, he needs to make sure that when he gets there, the Texas House is as liberal as possible. And then the last endorsement that he made, which surprised a lot of people— was Justin Barry. And Justin Barry is running in the open HD 19 seat against Ellen Troxclair, who's got more money, who is supported by Terry Wilson, one of the uh, state representatives who represented Burnett County, which is also now in that district. She is supported by a large swath of conservative lawmakers, conservative organizations. But she also, again, has support within a more middle of the road establishment business community as well. She is not a candidate that is seen as, for a lot. Of a better term, on my side of the party. Okay. And it's not to say that Ellen is not significantly more conservative than her opponent, but people would not look at her and look at that race and go, this is a battle. Uh, of the most conservative wing of the Republican Party against the Abbott establishment wing of the Republican Party. That's not what this race was, and Abbott still got involved and helped the more liberal option. And this reveals a desperation that the governor is currently feeling about just how dangerous it will be if Dan Patrick is given control of the legislative agenda of 2023. See somebody's going to get to decide the pace of the legislative session in 2023 the tone that is taken the types of policies that surround what we talk about and when Greg Abbott has his way that is very middle of the road kind of purple type policy it's going to be broadband and healthcare and you know internet expansion whatever it's going to be These issues that seem real benign to all of us and they're also very boring and they keep him out of the culture wars. And then you have Dan Patrick who more often than not engages in those culture wars and also advances more aggressive policy when it comes to property tax relief and fiscal policy and social policy. He's going to push a more Republican conservative agenda. Well, the thing that happened this last primary was that Dan Patrick won a ton of seats and the Senate, I have argued, is getting considerably more conservative, probably the most conservative Senate in recent history due to the partisan makeup and due to the lack of liberal votes. Some people have uh, said that, you know, when Don Huffines and Connie Burton and uh, former Senator Van Taylor, when certain people like that were there, the Senate was even more conservative. And I would argue that there were more strongly conservative senators at the time, at that time, because you had the Brandon Creighton, Lois Kulkhorst, and Paul Betancourt, other conservatives that are still there, Senator Bob Hall, they're still there. But there were even more conservative lawmakers there as well who were pushing everybody to the right. But the reality is that even losing those senators is then counterbalanced by the fact that you don't have a Larry Taylor there. You do not have a Kel Seliger. You do not have even a Jane Nelson, who, again, great conservative on some issues, but also pretty middle of the road on other issues. And so the Senate as a whole is moving pretty significantly to the right, which positions Patrick really well to advance a very conservative agenda. And if that agenda starts advancing and it starts advancing quickly, it's really hard for Greg Abbott to play catch up and to set the tone. So the only way he can do that is to counterbalance the Senate with a more liberal Texas House. And so he now knows that he has to step in to as many of these Republican runoffs as possible and endorse the more liberal option. So if there is a race between a relatively conservative person and a really conservative person, he's going to endorse the relatively conservative person. If there's a race between a relatively conservative person and a pretty liberal person, person in the runoff, he's going to endorse the pretty liberal person. If there's a race between somebody who's supported by the business establishment, but has generally Republican views and somebody who has aligned themselves squarely with teacher unions and other leftist ideas, he's going to support that person because he needs the Texas House as a whole to be more liberal, which then counterbalances the Senate. And the more equal that power is, the more they will be struggling, the less Greg Abbott will have to make decisions. And so we're seeing him aggressively get involved in the runoffs. And this is something that we have to take note of and understand the implications of. Now, the the issue that I have brought to people's attention that I think just kind of draws attention to the biggest problems we have with some of these decisions is Greg Abbott's recent comments back at the Texas Public Policy Foundation uh, policy orientation back in January. So three weeks before early voting, TPPF comes out, and they say, we're rolling out the red carpet. We are bringing in the governor. And they were, I mean, it was like fanfare. And everything he's saying, they're tweeting about and retweeting him and just fawning all over. This is the guy. This is awesome. He has yeah. saying all these awesome things. So here's a quick clip from um, a, a comments he made while he was there. Let's listen. 100%. And so when when people see what's happened in our schools during time of COVID, When kids have not been able to learn the way uh, they need to learn, face-to-face in a school. When you see schools imposing mandates on kids, on parents, on teachers, that those kids, parents, and teachers do not want. Let me tell you something. This upcoming session, next time, you're going to see a stronger, swifter, more powerful movement advocating school choice than you've ever seen in the history of the state of Texas. Well, interesting. So here's, here's the interesting thing. So I, 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 when he said this, I remember hearing it and several people talking about it. Corey DeAngelis tweeted about it and everyone's was like, oh my gosh, look at this. He's moving even on the school choice issue. And I said, you know what? I think it's interesting the words he's using because it was actually just around that time that Dan Patrick got up and said, I'm going to push school choice and, De- and Greg Abbott's going to push school choice. Dade Phelan in the house is the only uh, entity in the way. Dan will take stance himself. I am going to do this, right? Greg Abbott, on the other hand, said something very intentional and specific. And he said, there is going to be a bigger push than you've ever seen in Texas history. And you have to realize that he's saying this to a room of people who are all pushing for more choices for parents and education. So they're all clapping and cheering and yeah, but what he, they don't realize is he might just be stating a fact. He might not be actually joining them in that push. Some of the people in the room are planning on writing large checks to try to advocate and advance these issues. So he might just be commenting on the fact that, like, I know y'all are about to spend a bunch of money on advancing these parental rights issues. And everyone's going, yeah, we are. And they don't realize that he's like, I didn't say I was going to help you. So then six weeks later, eight weeks later, he comes out. And says, oh, well, like in that runoff, I want the teacher union guy in HD 19. What about HD 73? I'll take the teacher union guy. Okay. what about HD 60? Yeah, I'll take the teacher union guy. Wait a second. What is going on here? So so I thought your whole thing was you were going to push this policy and you know that the Texas House, I mean, the votes are there maybe at best barely, but they probably aren't even there yet. We probably have to win more votes in the runoffs to have enough votes to pass this policy that you say there's going to be this huge push for. But then you're going out and campaigning and endorsing and pushing and spending money to elect candidates that specifically oppose that policy. Why? Because the reality is that Texas has been significantly influenced by teacher unions for Greg Abbott's entire governorship. And he's never pushed back against that. He's also never pushed back against the Texas House, who has sided with them, because the reality is that there was this brief moment in history where he did. He did push back against Joe Strauss aggressively, Joe's last last session, because he was pretty angry that Joe was not giving him a couple wins that he could specifically run on. And so then he decided to pile on a bunch of conservative policy uh, on a special session call. And A lot of it died, and then he didn't ever call it back again because it was more just like I'm going to push it once so that I'm seen as the guy pushing these policies. So in the runoffs, we're seeing that the number one threat to Greg Abbott is not school choice and parental options being killed. The number one threat to him is Dan Patrick being able to pass this stuff quickly and him having to take a quick position on it one way or the other. And um, that's not going to work very well for him. And so now he's coming in and basically aligning himself with the more liberal option. I just want to show you a quick clip of Justin Barry that is out there. And this is literally him speaking to a bunch of teachers at this Raise Your Hand Texas deal, and, uh, which is like a front for teacher unions. And so this teacher union front group puts on these forums where they invite candidates and they have a bunch of teachers there. And you're supposed to tell these teachers what they, what they want to hear. And this is him literally saying the same talking points of the Democrat Party in his position on charter schools. This isn't even like a school choice, full blown school choice program. This is just public charter schools. These are public schools. And a lot of you know people going to charter schools. And this is a Republican, and just listen to what he has to say here. So just to just to be clear, you would you would support or you would oppose Expansion of charter schools. Yeah, I I would uh, oppose the expansion of 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 those charter schools, those for-profit programs that are out there using taxpayer uh, dollars. This guy is so much of a shill for teacher unions that he's like the public charter schools that are not private schools also need to be opposed. Any ounce of competition within the government monopoly, even if it's government competition within the government monopoly is going to be opposed by me for the sake of teacher unions. This is the guy Governor Abbott's like, yeah, I want to elect that guy, not Ellen Troxclair, who has a history of conservative policy positions that align herself with the Republican Party. A lot of Republican candidates out there are sitting there going like, what did I do wrong? And the reality is they don't realize that like they didn't do anything wrong. They just – It's not their fault Dan Patrick did so well in the primaries and positioned his chamber so well to more aggressively and quickly pass Republican policy because that's going to put a pretty significant amount of pressure on a governor who tries to take as few positions on policy as possible. It will be interesting to see how the runoffs turn out. Abbott will likely have some losses and he'll likely have some victories. And the victories he had will be bad for those who support Republican agendas. Because he's specifically aligning himself with candidates who have oftentimes aligned themselves against Republican voters, whether it's hosting Black Lives Rally, Black Lives Matter rallies, raising property taxes. Laura Hill, the mayor of South Lake, who Greg Abbott endorsed came down to Austin to testify against all of the property tax reform that the Republican party pushed year over year over year. And Greg Abbott said was a priority of his, but he's endorsing mayors who all said, we wish the governor wasn't successful in the previous property tax reform he passed. And he's like, great. I need more of y'all in the Texas house. How does that even make sense? It does make sense when you realize that their job will be to slow Dan Patrick down. And if that's their job. It doesn't matter if they even agree with the governor. It's a sad state of affairs, but it is the state we are in, and it's why we are so engaged. I hope you have learned something in this week's episode. God bless you, and God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit TexasScorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas.